0: Hey, it's this is Seer Novel Podcast, episode ninety five. Five. Wow, that's insane! All right, so uh, we're with Timothy Fling. Uh, so we're gonna get started.
1: Boom! What's up? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing good. Happy- Happy Sunday to you. Yeah.
2: It's nice out today, too. It's been cloudy for like five days, and now nice. like there's no clouds in the sky. It's nice and sunny out.
1: Yeah, it's sunny here, but super chilly. I'm in uh, south central PA, and it's probably 20 degrees outside. Oh, it's
2: freezing here, too. I don't know what's been going on. Yeah, it's like... yeah you guys are in New York, right? Oh, actually, I'm, I'm in Tennessee. I'm <laughs> even Tennessee? The further south, and it's still, I'm in Nashville, and oh, it's, nice. yeah, it's still colder. Two
0: degrees. Oh.
2: Would you say it's two degrees?
0: Twenty-two. Oh, I think he said it was like two degrees. Um, Nice. Yeah. I actually have like the like snow built up around like my tires, so like my car was vibrating while I was driving home from work. Yeah, I had a I had a work, so that's why I'm like this. Even though (laughs) I usually always look like I'm half asleep, but.
2: Yeah, we, we got a nice storm here. Um, my girlfriend, before she had to go to work uh, Thursday, I think it was, I had to, like, literally pour boiling water with salt in it to, like, melt the ice off as I'm, like, chipping it away. Yeah, it, it was literally her entire she, – she couldn't open the door. I had to, like, break the edge of the door and, like, pull it open. So, yeah, it's some pretty uh, pretty fun stuff. Huh. Nice. So yeah, today uh, we have less of a game plan than uh, the last two podcasts. We kind of had like themes. This time we're kind of kind of just winging it. And uh, some of the stuff we we're going to talk about is first off, we definitely want to see some of uh, Timothy's uh, new stuff that he's got to share, and uh, maybe talk a little bit about Kickstarter and
1: publishing. So, uh, perfect, yeah. Perfect.
2: Tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let the world know who you are. So,
1: yeah, guys, thanks for having me on the show. I'm Timothy Fling. I'm a writer. Um, I've done a couple of successful Kickstarters now and have a little bit of a following in that community. Um, have a new project we're doing. This will be the fourth issue of Water Wars 2288. Uh, it's become an anthology series where uh, a number of different artists contribute stories to sort of a it's like an overarching narrative, I guess you could call it. Right. So, uh, we're well over a hundred and I want to say it's 108 pages. So there's also for our next Kickstarter, when I say next, this is right around the corner. I think it's going to start March 3rd or something. Oh, wow. Nice. So yeah, you'll see some announcements from me cause I'm trying to learn the correct, uh, You know, you're supposed to give it some time to warm up ahead of time. You know, get your followers. Now, I don't think I'm going to do the whole month. That always seems kind of long to me. You Uh, know, some people say
0: I usually do like three months. So
1: (laughs) okay, yeah,
2: yeah. I've heard like the uh, the the best the best time is actually around two months. But yeah, we probably start warming up around three months. But two two months is good. One month is like kind of essential for getting momentum right so like if, if you start a month ahead of time like obviously you've run successful kickstarter so it all depends on how you've run them in the past as well but that, that's the biggest thing i've heard for product launches or crowdfunding campaigns like typically 30 days is like the what you want to have to uh launch it but then the for kickstarter it's not like a single event where you're trying to sell everything in a day it's also a 30-day campaign right. so that's why like one month before a kickstarter event is a pretty good time to start getting people hyped so you get that, uh, what is it, the 30, 30%, Greg, is it 30 or 33% you want to get in the first 30, three, 30 in the first yeah. three days? Yeah. And then Kickstarter um, just knows that like those are the ones that are likely to succeed. So coincidentally, then they'll promote it, causing it to succeed
1: better. Right. Correct, <laughs> correct, yeah. Yeah, I buy all that, and I'm a little surprised to hear. I didn't know about the three months. I'll definitely take a look at that. But I do the
2: three months is extreme. I'll I'll say uh, that.
1: (laughs) Well, I, uh, excuse me, I have in the past. I've done the you know the two weeks or whatever, and this is. Of course, my, my things are starting to grow, so I've got to listen to other people's viewpoints. But like my main source of marketing at this point is my email list and Facebook, and you know things from podcasts and whatnot. And of course, uh, my returning people from earlier campaigns, which is yeah, uh, one of which is my biggest segment. That and digital. So I, I'm trying to focus <laughs> things that are on those two sections. Yeah. So uh, one of the ways that we're trying to do that. As Greg knows, you know, we've been trying to make music and there's so many elements that can be delivered digitally. So we're we're focusing a lot on on music for these campaigns. And, And I forgot, do you work on the music? Do you have people that work on the music? I do. It, it, there's. It's myself and a songwriting partner. His name's Sterling Jackson, and he's a YouTube personality. And rock I was gonna say that song. sounds like
2: a, a famous person. Yeah, yeah Sterling yeah, Jackson.
1: Well, that by the way, that's not his real name either. But you know, <laughs> and I, I used to be like that too. I you know I don't say too much. I forget if you guys remember. I used to be Holden. We've all kind of kind of forgotten by that by this point. But I used to write under a pseudonym yeah (laughs) so what we've done is he and i team up and generally it takes the form of like maybe i might write the melody line or in the in the case of the last one i only wrote the words and then he does most if not all of the heavy lifting and what i mean by that he's got a studio in his house and it's a you know, it'll sound like a million dollar production, but you know, it's the other thing he does. He does scores for movies and like, he's, he's a real guy. Like I'm a guy who makes comics in his basement. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, a awesome. real, he can churn out these, uh, you know, cinema quality sound scores. Yeah,
2: that's very cool.
1: Their, their plugins is what they are. And you can use these software to emulate these kind of sounds that you might see in any kind of, symphony or like for example the last one we did this lost at sea song had sort of like this you know deep bass orchestra section which certainly none of us were really playing those instruments you know basically i was humming the way i'd want it to go and then we digitally select these instruments and you you map it all out you know yeah that's awesome it's 2022 man you just you just if you want to make something you just make it
2: yeah my um my brother's a uh, record producer i don't remember if that ever actually got brought up the other times we've spoken but um yeah we uh yeah him myself and uh two other business partners have like several businesses in the music industry that we're building up like you know they're they're like green they're like you know 2020 was the first you know the first one and the rest were made in 2021 um but yeah you know it's definitely a very interesting medium And the thing that's interesting is that you're taking comics and using music to promote them. And I've actually been looking at like the opposite thing too of uh, not music to promote them, but like music to like amplify their value, right? Like you're adding additional things. sure. And uh, that's something I've actually been looking into from the music end since I'm involved with our comic book company that it turns out like when you're an artist very often you can make more money selling other forms of media content other than your main form. So like uh, that, that's why like, like performing artists, for example, is like uh, there's a artist chance, the rapper who gave away all his music for free so that he could sell merchandise and concert tickets. Right. So he became famous because he got connected in that route, but he's getting rich off of everything else. So it's like, it's a really cool way to like, if you're a creator or a creative, you're creative universally. Like, even if you're not like some expert guitarist, you kind of understand like what good music should sound like in the sense that like, it should make you feel something just like comic books do. So it's, it's a, it's a very cool, like, it's cool to hear when people create more than uh, just one thing.
1: Yeah. And you know, the, the, you know, the fans, which I always kind of feel funny saying the fans, but we've actually got some fans by this point. So it's Okay. <laughs> You know, they really seem to like the music. Right. And we've got a little bit of traction with it. And particularly like when we do our Kickstarters and so forth, there are our own themes. It's not uh, like lifted music or anything like that. And, And, you know, I'm biased, of course, but some of the themes came out pretty nice. And then as stretch goals, we do the things like, you know, we had the theme reworked into, the, you know, the video game classic theme song, right? And, and people dug that. And so that's going to be one of the stretch goals on the new one. The main theme, the Water Wars 2288 theme, it, we're going to make like a Sega version.
2: Like, like an 8-bit version? <laughs> yeah,
1: which, you know, people are going to go bananas again. And, you know, I, last time I didn't take the time to really do this. There was a quick one that we threw together. But I want to make a – it's going to be a, a – you guys will get this in two seconds it'll be like the classic case with a little bit of a round imprint and it'll look like a sega label or maybe a nintendo label it doesn't really matter which brand yeah but it'll be the it'll be the title of the book and the, it'll be a thing you click on and it'll be the video game theme song do
2: you, do you know what that made me think of too is that uh i've because i've seen quite a few um i I'm, this was something super recently i was i was taking like a Course on like syncing music, like you try to get music onto a platform, and they were showing like how to market it. And I found some big time artists, I can't remember the name of who it was, who to promote their music made like a little eight bit video game, like yeah. a, just a two D scroller of like like not even two D scrollers, like a two D um, like one v one fighting game, but it was right. with like the the the, the uh, people in the band. Have you like considered uh, potentially having some little 2D scroller game for your world? We
1: have, you know, and it's funny you say that, because when you say that, it wasn't, what we were trying to develop was not necessarily a game that you would play. It was basically, it was an animation that looked like a game. Like you, it was like a video that you played. But the challenge with stuff like that, and this is one man's opinion, okay. I love to make these extra things and I love animation. And my long game, we want to be trying some animation. But if your experience is anything like mine, you quickly find that the expense, the cost back to develop the animation is so much more than what you get out of it. It quickly becomes diminishing returns. You you know, to get 30 seconds worth of animation is, you know, I could put out four more books, right? Or five more books. (laughs) So you got to, I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? To make my point, but it's not too far off. And with music, it's a little bit like that. Like what, what Sterling and I do, it's we kind of have the songs already worked out. Like we're both pretty competent songwriters. So your expense there is how much time you're spending on the studio. Same as art. how much time you're rendering it. Right. So if, if we can whip in and out of the studio in one or two takes, this is very cost effective for me. But you can see, especially with something like animation or developing a game, it's like it's like starting up a clock on something that's a bill, and pretty soon it's more than three Kickstarters would have made, you know?
2: Yeah, no, that's so true. <laughs>
1: now, I, I will say, uh, since you brought it up, that is definitely the long game, and to try some kind of animation. Um, it, you know, that was, I think I was telling Greg this before, it's kind of how I got into it, was writing these scripts that were going to be... Animated TV shows, and not for nothing, most people have noticed that my writing—they're basically set up in the sense of you know—they're a little bit like Saturday morning cartoon episodes. You know what I mean? Nice. It's 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 kind of a a writing style that we came to to learn and to appreciate. If if you like the you know animated shows, you probably oh yeah dig dig (laughs) the tone of our books. You know what I mean? And it it's definitely more like that in the sense of you know on my end, I particularly don't do any heroes or anything if you know what i'm saying there's yeah what's
2: what's the genre you would call your uh comics it's
1: it's, they're science fiction and you know it's science fiction survival post-apocalyptic survival that's
2: what i was curious like what the what the uh like yeah the the, the tone of it is yeah the
1: the tag is always survival and the character is always in sort of desperate situations and you know at the end of the day what they're trying to do is stay alive it's not uh you know nobody has x-ray vision and the you yeah know, it's, it's not like that <laughs> now yeah, i always I I quick to point out there's robots right and there's cybernetic people and having a cybernetic part on your body that'd be well within my universe right
2: yeah something- that's something that we, that we that we love chatting about because um one of the biggest things that when you when you discuss with someone who's not already into comics that there's like you know tons of indie comics and they're amazing they're like oh they're probably just you know rip offs of marvel dc kind of thing that's like what right. some people might feel and it's like no like there's just as many genres of comic books as there are books and films. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, literature and films, and so like there's there's tons of uh, excellent work out there. Like like the, obviously we can see in the background some you know beautiful artwork. Like there's some crazy stuff that you know has been created in the comic book world. Yeah, and
1: and- you could probably make a pretty good call that that first book you see behind me on that side, the Hunchback book, was in the horror. All three of those stories were scary stories. Like they they would have fit in Chronicles of Horror.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's they such have, a cool idea.
1: The The tone of it was that they are like, the, the art was a little bit like 70s retro horror movie posters. Nice. That's Maybe awesome. Like Phantasm <clears throat> or, you know, Friday the 13th or, you know, the type of movie poster. I'm yep. And to try and emulate that kind of feeling. And then, you know, we just, we sort of pop our own characters in there, which tend to be, they're weird sci-fi characters, you know that's the other thing we're trying to focus really hard on. And basically what we do is we've got our own team here. That's Earth Dog Studios, right? And all the stories feature either robots or some kind of monsters. And in this latest one, this is, uh, I was telling you about the fourth one. It's episode four, which it's not lost on us so that it is the... uh, it's loosely linked to Star Wars, right? This episode four. Yeah. So yeah. the variant cover, it's this Erwin Arosa homage cover, and it's gonna be like the Star Wars poster for A New Hope, where Luke is standing on the top and he's got his holding up his yeah. lightsaber. And behind him is Darth Vader's head. Well, this is the same thing, but it's both of our characters, which are both female and she's holding her staff. And behind her is the head of this minotaur who's the the monster <laughs> of the, the issue, is the minotaur. And man, it's uh It came out amazing it came out amazing right And the art on the interior is just it's gonna blow your mind like it's funny you start doing something for a while and it's like if we were golfers right you know you'd start golfing by the time you were five six seven years on the golf circuit you'd about be a pro golfer you might be able to hit with some of the best hitters in the world well here's the thing right we're all in the same room here as writers and, you know, we've been doing this just about five years, I think we said, or maybe it was a little bit longer for you guys, but I'm getting ready to hit my five years. And I can see the five the, year. yeah, I can see the material getting better. Right. And it's like, wow, this is I'm going to get somewhere with this one.
0: Yeah, I was uh, actually writing notes for like this one comic that we're going to be doing. Um, Dylan actually came up with the idea. So it's for a Seer Chronicles series. But I said that there's like a plot hole somewhere. And to fix it, we're actually going to add a story in between issue, uh, right before issue six or seven. And that's going to, like, solve that issue. And just, we don't have to tell that whole story throughout the other part the
2: of sec- the, the second trilogy? Uh, the...
0: It's the first the- story arc. <clears throat> it's, like, through the second half of the 12 issues that we have to tell um so there's this thing that's gonna be called origins and that's literally just this like one shot story that's going to happen and when i was like just writing the notes i like oh my god it's got so much better <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah. yeah that's cool like one of the things i like to think about is uh you know there's the Ma- the malcolm gladwell ten thousand hour rule where like you know if you spend ten thousand hours on something you can be considered an expert in that and uh Uh, The thing that's cool about it is like it is just doing it every day. I I remember when I was in like martial arts class, uh, I'd get there early and they had the mats down and I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to do handstands. So I just kept doing it and just falling over, over and over again. And about three months in, I, like, nailed a handstand. I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's right, cool. Yeah. And, like, a, a couple months later, I could walk on it. And then a couple months later, I did, like, my first, like, handstand push. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I fell over, of course. But, like, you know, it was, like, one of those things where, like, you just have to do it all the time. If you don't do it, you, you know, you won't have it. So it's, it, it is very cool into, to you I buy
1: into that a pretty good bit, man. It's all about how you self-actualize what you're trying to do, right? I, I was never – Hey, I never even tried to be a writer at all until much later in my life. And the thing is, once I started, it was like that quote, uh, you become what you think about.
2: Yes, I love and that we were quote. saying Because
1: what I'll have either, it's like 10 books out this year, or maybe it's 11. I'm sorry, I got to go back and count them It's something Ooh. like that. But yeah, like, and my year started off even better. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, which is I got the Antarctic Press deal, which that's Water Wars number two. That's this Ooh. one behind me which how do you point to that one like this? That one yep. right there. <laughs> So that'll be, it'll be serialized across three issues of planet comics. And then the, uh, the hunchback here on the other side of me, that'll be in, well, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that'll also be an Antarctic press product, probably September, October. And then I got my story coming out in Russell Nolte's book here. Uh, that, that's next month. Cthulhu and, and is hard, yeah, to the Cthulhu, it's hard to spell. Yeah, the Cthulhu is hard to spell. Yeah. By the way, yeah. we wrote the theme song for that Kickstarter. Nice. Oh, so you'll be able to hear Very that. Cool. It's, it's super cool. And so, what it, kind of where I'm going with this is man, I'm having a pretty good year and it's only February.
2: Yeah, that's pretty that's, awesome.
1: Yeah, so I, I didn't, that doesn't even include the stuff I got coming out, which wait till you see some of that. I got something I want to show you. <laughs> My next Kickstarter, like I say, is starting in March and we're going to be trying some new things, one of which is we're going to sell original art. And some of the pages came out really beautifully, and they're all, you know, custom renderings of this beautiful. Uh,
2: oh wow! Double wow. panel art, right? Wow, that's yeah, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, that's by Renan Shody.
2: That's a like Godzilla
1: in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, the monster in the story. Is a it's a it's a mutated chilopod, is what it is. That's you know, got sort of kind of an armored uh, shell.
2: Yeah, man, that's there, that's beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's the piece that we're going to be selling there. Nice. Is
2: she the one with the staff you were referencing?
1: Yeah, that's the the, the if you follow the Water Wars stories, like I love telling people. Basically, it's the story. That there's always a female uh, protagonist, and sometimes one or two of them are teamed up. But you don't really have to read the other stories. Like each one's kind of self-contained. But if you're following it, you can even go back and read them in order. Like they are, it is all interconnected if you follow me. So the the one that you're seeing there with the staff, she's Phaedra. And the girl uh, following her is Citizen 0313, who's really the star of it. And she's really sort of like this unprepared woman. And she becomes this post-apocalyptic badass, right? She's got the, ro- one, the one robot arm and the whole bit. So it's kind of like a story like each week. Picture it as a Saturday morning cartoon show, okay? Each week, they can encounter some kind of weird creature or place, whatever. And there, there's usually kind of a moral to the story or even a little bit of a twist sometimes, I call it. You know what I mean? What a twist. <laughs> yeah, it, we, we do a lot of, like, the twist stories. You know, I, I make the stories with Irwin. The, that's the Water Wars Chronicles. And those are the hardcore sci-fi tales. And those are all twists. Like, all of them have some kind of twist. That's like they're stock and trade whereas the you know the the 2288 stories they're the ones with the female characters you could read just a quick eight pager and it's just a little eight page story
2: nice like like when it when it comes to um those stories versus like the water war stories do you try to write it so that someone could pick up one comic and enjoy it without having to read the other ones but mm-hmm. it, obviously they would get more enjoyment just knowing the backstory
1: Yes. And yes, absolutely. And there's one of the things, especially now that we're up to number, it's going to be number four, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to sell it, you know, sometimes you lose people Mm -hmm. because maybe they're only going to buy a number one and maybe a number two, you might lose them for number four. So you got to have enough of something that's new and cool in number four, and it's got to be super accessible. Like I say, this next one, the, the part that's going to make it like collectible, it's going to have a little bit of a star Wars reference yeah. right which didn't never yeah, reminiscence yeah <laughs> yeah and it's also instead of being number four issue four it's episode four and even the logo is like a little it's like oh Star Wars that's, yeah out, right? like a nod to Wars. it yeah yeah yeah. it's a nod right? <laughs> and and you, it's one of those things that maybe that, like the homages you know our homages are a little bit stylized like when you first see you go like, wow that's a cool cover but it might not dawn on you right away that it's like, you'd have to say, hey, isn't that Star Wars? And you'd be like, hey, yeah, it looks just like Star Wars, right? But it doesn't hit you over the head with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah.
2: You. No, that's awesome. What, what, one of the covers that we're having uh, designed for uh, uh, our solo series, uh, Ink, uh, Ink 2, for all the people that are, like, freaking out, waiting for us to release that for the last two years. Um, when we were, like, so we released Ink 1, that cover was absolutely phenomenal, so, like, into people that's like are the fan favorite and we want to try to make that cover like incredible so we literally like started looking into old um comic book covers i think we looked through like hundreds of them and then we kind of found a couple that are like these are like the normal really good looking ones and yeah. so we narrowed it down and we're like there it is like that's what we want to do this will be perfect and we've actually had some sketchups of it yeah and it looks like phenomenal so the, the, the there's like that marketing um thing where it's like you need a little bit of novelty so it's exciting but there needs to be familiarity so i feel like i already know it and like having that star wars homage is super helpful just like our cover we're trying to get that uh a similar look to uh some older comics yeah there it is
1: oh that's cool yeah,
2: yeah and like that's kind that of like the split face one like that's been on a bunch of stuff but like it's familiar enough that it's like oh okay like i've seen that look before but here it is new and so it's a very cool thing so i'm definitely excited to see that cover uh or your cover
1: I just realized I could probably even share this too, if you guys wanted to see it. Oh yeah. yeah if you've already got it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and also um, what, while you're pulling that up, what is there a particular reason that you uh, thought about star Wars for the, uh, the reference point is any of the story uh, reminiscent of it or is it more no, like it, you just gotta it like was it was
1: only first of all, that's a great question. But we almost always do a homage cover anyway. It's kind of a thing that we do. So it was just a matter of which one. And I started looking at great artwork, and then it occurred to me. Well, hold on, this is episode four. Wouldn't it be cool if? And then I started chatting about the idea with Irwin, and he was crazy about the idea. You know, so we're like, okay, we got a winner.
2: Yeah. No, that's very cool. Like having those, like uh, having an homage like should you always try to do a different one like is every release like were the first three um totally different homages
1: uh they're all different uh, the the hunchback was batman 227 uh lost at <laughs> sea commanding number 1 uh, we did that romance cover that was based on one of the uh old romance covers from the sixties where the one with the sea captain is like grabbing the robot. That's a romance comic where the guys, Yes,
2: I remember. yeah, yeah. you shared that on the last, uh, last time we had you on there.
1: So <laughs> they're all, they're, when I say they're, they're not always based on something, but you know, some of the more popular ones tend to be our homages. So we, there's always one in the selection.
2: Yeah. That's
0: awesome.
1: Let me, see, let me see if I can get this one up here for you. The anticipation's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to. How to share it? Yeah. I see the share oh. screen.
2: Oh, yeah. If you hit um, that little share button, there's like a on the bottom. You click on that. Then it says share screen. If you click on that, a pop-up yep. will come up. You hit share screen again. and Then it'll say entire.
1: There you go. You got it. Yeah. Then you just need to see this. Yeah nice all
2: right let's make this full screen on my end Woo! dang yeah that's that is amazing a post-apocalyptic tone poem
1: <laughs> and basically the story you got there it's the continuing adventures of uh that's phaedra five with the staff that's her one armed version as you can see oh three one three below her currently has her arm after the fall from the cliff there it's changed some parts And that's right in the story where that takes place. And they encounter the Minotaur who is uh, guarding his property. So it tells the story of their encounter with the Minotaur and the secret that he was keeping from everybody. So that's a little bit of the uh, quick preview of the the Minotaur story.
2: Also, I wanted to uh, ask something. I looked it up, but I'd still like you to share it. I noticed on the top right, you had a little stamp on that cover. And it said uh, 3LC. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Just because uh, I looked it up and that's pretty, that's pretty it's, cool. It's
1: uh, free laws compliant with something when we first started making robot comics, which this started all the way back with socket number one in 2015. That gag was that they're basically since they're all robot uh, comics, they all had to comply with Isaac Asimov's three laws of robotics.
0: Yeah, and that's usually, awesome.
1: And the stories that usually comes up once or twice too, because as you probably noticed in some of the stories, some of the robots are a little bit violent. So there's always some <laughs> writing to the effect of how they were programmed or that's what, like in the first one, that's what fourth protocol is. Like they talk about the three laws, but there's a fourth protocol, which that means the robot's getting ready to exterminate someone.
2: That's awesome. <clears throat> no, I, I love that those little uh, Easter eggs because, like, I noticed that it looks like a stamp, kind of like one of those official, like yeah, it Marvel like the Marvel stamp. Used to have yeah, those, yeah, yeah like those little stamps on them. So, yeah, that's and, and that's actually. We
1: excellent. do try and tie that stuff in. You know, as, as you guys know, we also do maps. You know, maps is our big. Yep. Thing yeah, the maps are incredible. The books, and even even inside the book, kind of like maps out where the characters went and what kind of nonsense they got up to along the way.
2: No, that's awesome.
1: And you know, basically where the storyline itself is heading, sometimes people say to me, Well, where do you uh see the series going, right? And because at this point, you know, we're geez, we're just put number five into production, it doesn't look like it's gonna stop necessarily. If if the Kickstarters keep funding, this is like self-fulfilling now, right? So I got enough written for probably the first seven issues, eight, maybe. And that is basically where it's headed. You know, she's trying to go West to find her brother, but by the time she finds the brother, he's going to be the bad guy on the other end of the country. Right. So nice. Yeah. (laughs) the The next story arc, which I haven't written it any from there. And remember simultaneously with writing that, I wrote the Chronicles stories, and those are just short stories. They can be connected, or they don't have to be. They're just apocalyptic stories, you know. The the exterminator who's getting his divorce, going to fight the giant bugs, you know. They're a little bit along the lines of Richard Matheson short stories, or Ray Bradbury, if you like him. Yeah. We were talking before, I used to be a short story writer, and and honestly, I never had any success doing that. So uh, once we started converting them into comics... And really all we've done, some of these short stories are already written. We just say, hey, look, how do we emphasize the visual elements? Which that's definitely one thing that is Earth Dog Studios is known for. We emphasize the visual elements. We try to stay away from talking heads and panels where there's not too much going on, right? Which it's a danger that we all can fall into.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the, uh, the one thing that... Um... So older anime compared to new anime, the biggest difference I noticed, uh, and this is actually a few months ago, I kind of noticed this. My brother's been on an anime binge and he's watching like all the old, all the classics <clears throat> is that the reason those look so beautiful has nothing to do with like the quality of uh, the like uh, detail in the sense of it's not like 1080p, right? It's not the pixel resolution. It's right. the fact that they'll draw a background so beautifully that has nothing to do with what's going on in the foreground they they do so much detail on this like building in the background that they may never go to but they want you to see that art in the background and i'm noticing even just from like your the art and your panels like it, it's it's so detailed when it doesn't need to be
1: and that's yeah. why it's beautiful but, you know i'm glad to say that because that's definitely something that we're working on and And I'll quick say, remember, I don't know the answer to some of these questions, but I'm going to give one of them to you, which there's two schools of thought. And man, if you're making comics, I get both of them, which the first one is, you know, you have sort of like something on more of a Webtoons platform and it's, let's just say it's minimal on backgrounds and it's about the two characters and whatever their adventure is, which is perfectly fine. But you could probably put out three stories visually in the same time that you could put out one of the more detailed stories, right? Yeah. Option number two, you know, you try to go with the more detailed panels and maybe that is the pop that makes somebody notice the story. Yeah. It's only a hope. And I think we've all learned that you don't have to have the detail in the panel to get your story noticed. Like you can have a, a very minimal, a very minimal yeah. story.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that's something that uh, like in our comics, like every once in a while, cause like obviously Greg and I aren't the actual artist, but um, when we work with artists, from time to time, like they'll they'll do minimal background or like the you know the color void background because we're focusing on the character. But every once in a while, like Greg and I, when we're when we're discussing with the artists like about a particular panel, we're like, no, 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 we want this to be very detailed. Like this is important. And like uh, one of our um, one of our comics that we are re-releasing, issue one, we actually just finalized it uh, uh, two days ago. Um, basically, there's a panel in there. Where um, our main character is walking down an alleyway, and I'm like, I want this from the window of one of the apartments, viewing the whole alleyway. So we see that he's like walking down this desolate area. I want a homeless man leaning against the garbage uh, the dumpster. There needs to be a dumpster, obviously. I want all these details. And I gave that to our artist, and it was awesome because, like, even he took it a little further, and in the windowsill, he added, like, a partially dead plant, like, on the windowsill with, like, the shadows. Like, those little details, like, the second I saw that, I'm like, this is such a simple panel, and it's, like, one of my favorite panels because it's just, like, that detail is – like, I love that stuff. I love when there's, like, you know, that little bit of, uh, you know, pulling you into, like, wow, he's walking down an alleyway. The alleyway has got – you know a couple of houses some of the lights are on some are off like you it 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 makes the rest of the world go away for that one panel and even if the next panel might zoom in on a face that moment that you're in the world is so awesome
1: like i love that but well, yeah I, i'm glad you said that because we you're always trying to you know when we make these books right you're trying to be known for something which is a certain level of quality and a certain level of uh, especially in our world a certain level of detail and distinction and i think that For the most part, we have really managed to do that. Like, I know I'm my own toughest critic and I've just stuck to my own vision. Hey, well, this is what I like. So I want it to look like that. Whether I'm right or not, I guess we'll find out in the long run. (laughs) But I do know that, you know, look, this is one man's opinion again, Everybody do your own thing, man. You you know, march to your own drummer and make comics the way you want to. But I don't particularly care too much for the less detailed stuff and the webtoon stuff. And uh, if it's too highly stylized, it really just doesn't draw me in. If the writing is really good, I'll give it a shot. But, you know, it's got to have something in the art. And when I say something, it could be detail. It could be inventive color scheme. It could be perspective, but it's got to have something right. It's got to have something. There's a reason why to come back to what we said earlier. It is a visual medium. So your best shot is to create something even in your panels along the lines of even if there's not much going on, something that would make a viewer go, wow, this is a pretty cool book.
2: The thing I like to think about, and we actually made sure that we did this with a couple of our um, uh, pages, is that every once in a while I'll ask our artists, like, hey, can you draw this panel? And, yes, there's going to be an overlapping panel, but can you draw it separate first? Because <clears throat> I want that panel to be so excellent that uh, this is a comic book that you know I got from uh, IT Comics. But this right here, the little poster on the wall, that's one panel in a, in a comic book and they took it and turned it into a poster, obviously eliminating like words and things because it's just be so beautifully drawn. And like that, that kind of idea of having details in some panels that are over the top, because you like, if it's that beautiful, like that wow factor, it could be something as cool as a poster. And now maybe a fan wants that and like making sure you deliver on that. Like the, if they want a poster, give them a poster, right? Like I, like, I think you were the one that mentioned the pins, right? You're the guy, you're the yeah. one that likes the pins, right? Yeah, I do. So Like that's, That's the stuff you want to make for people. And so you can do that with as simple as a single panel in your comic. If it's really, really well done, like I got that poster because basically they're like, um, you know, I I think I was getting like a collection of comics for this. So it was like, I think it was like six different variant arts. I'm like, I'm just going to get the whole bundle. And uh, they're like, oh, it comes with a poster. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm looking through and I'm like, yeah, that one. Like that looks awesome. Right. It's on my wall, obviously. So I like it. So it's, it's, it's like, that's the type of stuff you want to make your comic to do where like you have the big ones behind you. You want fans that are like, yes, this would look cool right here on my wall. I want to be
1: reminded of it. Yeah. I, you know, I do the big marketing push, especially in the cities that are close to me. I got, so I'll have, I'll be Baltimore this year. That's 2022 October. And I did a double table. So that's six spots. (laughs) I'll have five of these banners behind me and I got letterers coming in three letterers, And we're going to do this. Uh, I'm going to call it, you know, we love the great titles, right? We're going to yeah. call it the international uh, lettering symposium. And I, I'm just organizing. <laughs> I'm just organizing the damn thing. I'm not actually a letter per se, but if you have, like if there's a part where it's Kickstarter creators, I'll probably jump into the panel there, but I'm the one that's organizing it and I'll have the spots. Right. So it'll be a big, uh, Like, when people come, they'll be like, oh, like, you know, I'm all about spend a little bit extra to look like you know what you're doing, right? Like, and it's, to be honest with you, it's, you know, at some of the comic conventions, let's be honest, some of the people aren't that well organized. And this is even the publishers and stuff. I've often thought to myself when I looked around at the publishers, hey, and God bless them, we're all creative personalities, right? My deal is I wanted to be a writer, not a publisher. All this other crap happened accidentally. But I just, you know, I just want to write the stories. But it is true. You look around and you see people show up, and man, they don't have a clean shirt on, and they got five copies of their book, and you want to go, "What are you doing, man? This is where you're gonna."
2: Yeah, that, I, you know, I was gonna say like the, some something that's interesting. Like you mentioned, like you, you know, you you might not necessarily know exactly what you're doing, but you're like, "Let me do this. I need to add something." I I would say to anyone who goes to a a comic convention, after you've got the table, you figured out what's going to go there. You've maybe started ordering it. One thing I would probably ask yourself is like, like what's one other thing I could do? Because like, it is like, um, dang it. What's it? Uh, uh, Darren Hardy. Uh, he has a, a book called, uh, the compound effect. And it's all about how, if you just work a little bit harder, a little bit harder, right? It'll build yeah, up on yeah, itself. Yeah, this yeah. whole 1% growth. And one of the things he says is that the horse that, that wins like right, the first place horse gets 10 times the second place horse. And it's interesting. Cause he doesn't win by 10 times the, the distance. <laughs> right. He wins by he a wins fraction by of the respect. nose. Right. And right, the interesting right. thing is like that's all you need to do to stand out is like one extra thing. No one else did. And that's why, like when we do our comics, like we, we try to like, like we're like, okay, what if we have like this little Easter egg? But like, also what about this other thing over here? Like, what if we also like built this little story out? It It's supposed to be like a one little incident, but what if they had like a backstory to it? And now that we know that backstory, we're going to put something on the wall that a fan might read a Wikipedia page one day and go, Oh, I remember that. And like that, like that intensive, those little, they like, it's so small and it might take a little extra time. We might spend, <laughs> maybe spend a bunch of time because we go down a rabbit hole, right? Like setting up a lettering symposium, but um like that stuff's the stuff you'll get remembered for because no one else does that little bit more.
1: Well, right? Right. And the, the whole idea is that if you and th- this is the idea of the lettering thing too. N- number 1, hey, to support letterers. I love letterers. And we even oh, get, yeah. ha- there's a chance I'll even have Matias come over. He's our letterer from Argentina. That's awesome potentially. And of course there's some roadblocks to get all that to happen, but there's a plan. But here's the thing, when you start to do things for the convention organizers, Like I'm at the level where I've got to start picking up some of that stuff. And I mean things like if I'm going to be going to conventions, I'm going to need to have hotel rooms and the whole thing, right? Because I need to be able to – if I can't really do well in sales if I'm spending all my money on the hotel and flights and this and that because I'm at the level now where I'm going to have to start promoting some of the books. And I got to find a way to do that where it's not coming out of the money used to make the books.
2: yeah. No, definitely. And it, that's, that's super important. Yeah. Like coming up with that stuff and especially speaking of letter is like, that's another one of those arts, just like the background detail. Like there's a huge difference between having words on a page and having a professional letter, put those words yeah. on a page. And yeah. Greg and I know that because our very first comic book, um, our first artist we worked with before we had the entire thing redone and now we're redoing it again. Uh, I actually went through the, uh, the lettering on it. And I I got, like, Photoshop. I know how to use it. Like, I've used it for, like, a decade, but I've never done lettering. But I'm like, oh, maybe I'll figure it out. I put it all up there. I'm like, oh, it doesn't look too bad. It kind of looks like a comic. That's pretty cool. And then we got, um, yeah, Jerome, who's our our letterer. And he, I was like, mine mine looks like garbage. This is amazing. Because I think the thing is, like, a really good letterer makes it so that you don't think about the lettering it's just, right, yeah, yeah. Part it just of the art, wrong, right? it's just, exactly in fact like you know you have a bad letterer when you notice the lettering right like as a uh, reader right the creator should notice it right? like when we see when our letterer brings like comes back to us and i'm like whoa i did not that's beautiful like that's like you know we have an explosion and like the way they blends in the boom like the mnemonics like into right, the right. explosion crazy like that's gorgeous and so yeah like letters are really important and like probably like yeah, they get like the least the, the least hype game. You know, it's always
1: the, the cover artist or you know, the illustrator. I, I totally agree with you. And also I will say it's one thing that as a writer, I always wish that I learned lettering more. It's the one skill I think that would help me as far as being able to write scripts for comics the most. But as far as letterers, I 100% agree with you. Um, Every time, hire the professional letterer. And if you didn't, I mean, you said it exactly the best way, which is you put the two books side by side. Every time, you can tell which one has the professional lettering.
2: So – and it's funny too like I looked up all the rules I looked up like how to do everything like I, I I learned what was supposed to be done too like I learned how to overlap bubbles I learned how to place the uh, like you know you know back in 1984 or whatever like the panel the uh, I don't even remember what they're called but like the, the, the just the boxes as opposed to text are uh, like a dialogue I mean and uh, like I looked up how to do all that stuff I'm like man that that's cool I got like the big letter here kind of looks like a Marvel thing and again like I followed all the rules but no it doesn't matter like there's, there's a huge <laughs> (laughs) difference between somebody who has skill behind something they've built over the years and someone who just knows about it
1: well and um you know a good letterer is always a little bit married to graphic design right and that like he knows or she knows when to use the when you use the negative sound effects and when you use the space and you know when to break the gutter and like all these things that i wouldn't think of you know
0: yeah.
2: And I think the other one too, is like when they see your, when they see your text, like they, they um, like our, our letter uh, every once in a while, like he'll let us know if um, the, what's it called? The bubble is too much, right? The panel's not set up in a way that we can fit all that text in there. And we've gotten much better at the writing now anyways, but we definitely keep that in mind because our letter is like, you know, Hey, I see what you want to do here, but like, that's a lot. <laughs> you know. Right. So right. it's, 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 I think you're right. Like if you do learn, a bit about lettering just so you know like what will be done by the professional letterer uh it's helpful for the writing side of things because you can you know go oh like i want to say all this but like how can i simplify this and just keep like like like, whittling it down to you can say the most simple thing and get the same point across yeah 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 and i think that's true with comics in general now that i think about it like the story itself you don't have an hour and a half to tell it right you don't have a 10 episode series to tell it you have one comic to tell it and yeah. you know even if you if, if it's a comic and not like a graphic novel you've got about 24 pages to tell an entire story at max maybe like if you like really crunch it down maybe like nine panels on a page right if you're gonna like really go hardcore but some of these pages need to be that beautiful splash page you're losing that space yeah, for dialogue you know
1: it's, it, it's funny to say that because you know there's a trend toward and, and by the way, I'm for this trend, which is that the stories have got a little bit shorter and shorter. Like you see a lot of, you know, six, eight, ten page stories now, even sometimes two pages. Right? <laughs> but to, this, to me, though, this just doesn't really let the, the stories breathe that I'm trying to tell. Like I like to have cool panels and we like to have things like sometimes it's uh, like creative panels, like a Ryan Otley panel where it's it's like an image of the character and the panels are all behind him, you know, things like that. Um, yeah,
2: I love that stuff. Like the, the creative panel overlays. I, I think that's what I was mentioning yeah. before. Like when you make a whole splash page, but then there's panels on it. Like I right, I, I love right. that because like,
1: yeah, I love those too. the top. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? You know, circle back around to what we said. It's a visual medium. And that's why we want to show things that you couldn't show in another medium. And that that's something that wouldn't work in a movie or a, any other place than a comic, right? So you got to kind of embrace <laughs> those panel creations as one of the tools of the trade. So I, you notice, I throw a lot of that stuff into my scripts, even to the part where, you know, artists sometimes, you know, maybe complain a little because it's, you know, I like the, you know, the nine panel page and the, uh, you know, like an Alan Moore watchman page. And there was one time we even did a 12 panel page, which is like the, it's Ooh. like little silhouettes of the action. And then the, the next page is the big splash. Right.
2: Yeah, that's actually something we discussed for um, fighting uh, pages, right? So one, one of the things that we want to do in the future is, like, I, I want to literally put on a mocap suit for video games and do the fighting because, like, I, I, I train in martial arts. And I would love to be able to, like, choreograph some of these. But there's already scenes that will be in future comics we release where I laid out, like, what's going to, like, happen physically. So, like, Greg told me what like what needed to happen. I'm like, okay, this is how we can make it physically uh, like look in a fight scene and what would occur. And so like, I would, uh, that's a really cool idea doing like, yeah, that 12 panel silhouette action of just the fight scene. Because first off, yeah, like if, if you do a fight scene in a comic and you try to make every panel like beautifully detailed, you're going to get like four punches in. And I'm like, okay, where does the next dialogue happen? Right.
1: Right. Right. There's so, like, certain times yeah, you want to be, <clears throat> it, wanna illustrate that it's happening fast.
2: Yeah, and, and honestly, like, anyone who's ever watched anime, like, would know, like, the Dragon Ball Z-style fighting. Like, there's a reason why when they go really fast, eventually they just make it, like, blips of light. Like, you know, they're not trying to show you every interaction. And then, like, when they're fighting, it seems slow. It's because they want to show you the details in that moment. But the actual fight itself isn't as important as, like, those intimate fight scenes where, like, there's that moment of, like, the direct contact with a face there you go. That's an epic one. Like uh, like in the the Matrix movies when that first, like that punch in the slow motion, right? Like that's a really cool moment to capture. But the, the overall fight, if you just want to show that it's epic, a 12-panel silhouette page, that's incredible. You know, get the get the, the the mnemonics throughout it and, you
1: know, go on to
2: a big splash page of the explosion.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I say, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And that, that's the reason why is because I want it. To feel like a comic you know like and to me that's what one feels like like that's the kind of stuff that i dig and i think that if you have the if you start to get known if your story starts to get known for having sort of what i would call creative panel work where you better still be doing it in number three and number four or readers will drop off that like that's one of the things they liked right so um because like for instance this series does that but the other ones they they don't necessarily
2: yeah, no, that's very cool. And and yeah, that's something that we're trying to do with ours. Like what one of the things that we do with our stories is like we have a stupid mega database of all the details of all the characters, like how tall they are. Are they married? Even if that like never gets brought up in the comics just because like that detail might be important for issue seven or this solo series off branching of a character. Uh, If we want to do a TV show one day, the casting, right? Like it's, it's all these like cool things that are um, that really make it uh, a a world that we're creating and not just a singular comic. Right. That's, that's something that I feel like if 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 you're, if you
1: ever make mm -hmm? your trading card,
2: Yes. Yeah, that's that's something that we, yeah, we've already been discussing. So that, that, that's something that um, it, it's super important to have that information. And unless you're creating one off comics, like if you really want to create a series of comics, you need a universe, no matter how simple the, the characters are or the story is like having a universe really pulls people in. Yeah, even even dilbert you know what i mean like those are three those are three little comic slides like you know he's in an office he's got a, a boss that does this type of thing all the time a coworker that says this type of stuff all the time like I, I just realized like even the simple 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 comics like a comic strip have a world that they slowly build out
1: i think you kind of have a point there too in the sense that it's the the customers or the readers, really what they're kind of buying is the ticket to the world, right? Like if you talk about, let's say Star Wars, for example, okay? Well, if you're going to watch The Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or, you know, any of the newer stuff – you kind of know what you're going to get, but not quite, right? Really what you're buying is your ticket to the world. Well, I know I like the Star Wars world and I, I like Wookiees and I like, uh, you know, I like the music they play, so I'm probably going to like this. And that, that's kind of what we're shooting for with the Earth Dog Studios books, and in particular the Water Wars books, that if you like the one, like, oh, I like this kind of stuff, you probably will like the other. You know, there's a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of references to other books, a lot of comic type elements like we discussed and you know really I hope this doesn't sound like an exaggeration but some of the top tier art that you're going to see out in the market today. we Oh yeah like
2: those posters behind you are quite evident of it right? (laughs) Yeah it
1: it was almost like uh, in the beginning it was a little bit like let's try and get the very best ones and just see what happens and what happened was people started to notice the books right away and then I got more great artists kind of reaching out to me and hey, do you ever have any more stories? Like actually, yes, I do. And then we started <laughs> putting those out too. And you know, that's kind of where we are right now. This is, this is going to go through well the end of this year pretty smoothly. And ne- next year I'd have to not even sure what's going to happen yet because the, basically the stage where I'm at now, the stories keep getting picked up by sure. publishers so the next realistic smart move is to gather all the stories on the 2288 side mm-hmm. and put them into a graphic novel. And that would be, it's, got to, it's going to soon be 120 pages or so, right? Like a thick one. Yeah. And then, by the way, when we do that, we will, or I think we spoke about this, that we can go back and organize them all into chronological order.
2: Yeah. Yep, yeah. I think you mentioned it because they're not in Chronic, you're not releasing they, them. In chron- yeah, they're not. Order, they're just but, yeah. Uh, they're,
1: they're just stories the way they are now. But they are all uh like if you put them all in Chronicle, it actually all fits like a puzzle. It was written that way intentionally.
2: Yeah, because it, cool. it jumps
1: around, you know, it jumps around. Yeah, but as far as the uh the content, there's definitely enough content, and there's definitely enough material, and then once you get this put together, there'll be and some of this is a guess on my part. You guys have done some anthologies, but it'll probably be you'll have a 2288 anthology which is this one behind me, right? And then you'll have a Chronicles anthology which is like the hunchback book. So and each one will be they'll be one will be 108 pages and the other will be about 120.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: And then my guess is – and, like, like you may know this one better than I, Then I'll be looking to get that whole thing published or to get some kind of – well, at that point, I guess really what I'll be looking for is distribution.
2: Yeah, I was going to say earlier, like, that's probably the biggest thing um, indie creators need. It's not – like, you know, you can always get really good artists. You can get all this stuff. The thing that will make you – like, you were mentioned before, like, you're trying to get Comic-Cons. You're trying to get – Um, all of this stuff like so that you're not draining all the money and then you have to recoup it with just the comics. It's The the only way to do that is to get that distribution. Like that's one thing like us as a company, we eventually want to be able to do that. Like we want to be distributors because that's the main difference between um, basically being that indie creator who just creates comics and a successful indie creator who can monetize it and actually make a living off of like what they enjoy doing
1: correct correct and one of the major steps of that is you know is to get into the previews catalog which will get you into the comic book stores so (laughs) that's one of the next things Uh, yeah i'm lucky on the planet comics deal on the antarctic press uh deal that i'm on that book does get into the uh previews catalog so you know it could turn up in california you know could be anywhere. I believe that's just national. I don't think there's anything that's international, but you know, I'm always hoping cuz I'm on basically a percentage if it goes over I don't know 6500 copies or something like that. So, it does pay a little bit up front, too. So, that is cool. Um,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, is it like a advanced style, or is it like um, like the, a, like the,
1: in my case I'm paid for the script and for the content and then if if the book sells more than a certain amount there's like a percentage that you get over it. I guess it's ten percent, something like that. I, I don't mind talking. I'm not talking out of school. I'm sure it's a standard, you know, agreement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just, cool. now, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm just now starting to get a couple of paying gigs uh, for being a writer. That's my. Thing. I got Very my wild. first. Yeah. I got my first paid writing gig from like
0: last year, but that was the first in like a couple of years because I did it on Fiverr and I made like three hundred dollars on there, like in oh, total. Nice. And I just did like short stories, and this one dude thought I was like Stephen King, like not <laughs> not the style of writing. I'm, I'm not, I can't make a lamp monster, but um,
1: <laughs> um,
0: but he's just like, wow, you do that really quick. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like the best ever. <laughs> and he's, but there were like ten like page stories, and they were super easy to do. So he's just like, wow, that's like so fast. I was like, yeah, I know, I'm just like the best ever in the world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that for creators, like being able to figure out what thing like, you, like right now you're trying to get yours published because your stories, you've got the great art, you've got the great stories. So getting distribution is probably your biggest uh, hurdle to make sure you overcome. And right. like for some for some other creators, like depending on what part of that you're in, if you're not like the story building one, if you're like a great artist, illustrator, colorist, letterer, whatever, like getting that extra clientele, uh, you know, growth, like getting famous for doing something, like uh, what was it, uh, Kim Kim Jung, uh, what, what, no Kim Lee, no what's the no what's his remember the artist we were talking about on this like last uh, week or two weeks ago, Kim Jung Kim Bus, yeah the artist who is like. Absolutely phenomenal. He do, he mostly does black oh, and white, I mean, but he, I, I, yeah, he's the one that looks like a printer. Like he literally, he doesn't do it where like he starts and kind of draws like abstract stuff yeah, yeah, and then yeah. draws on top of it. He's just like this, like you know, I robot like drawing left to right, you know, yeah, like I that reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's like, yeah, it's like, but that's what he's like. It's incredible to watch that stuff. And if so, if you get really, really, really good at like whatever that craft is, you can make a living with it. But if you're a creator, like. You want to be able to be a really good team builder, being able to put good colorist letterers and writers together
1: and editors like, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because the people have mentioned to me before, you know, I'm not – my goal is I was telling you I'm trying to be a writer. That is my ultimate thing to do here and to eventually to make a living from it all these other things have happened sort of incidentally in the pursuit of trying to become the writer. Like I thought, well, Hey, I could just, you know, be publishing these myself and Hey, I could just be doing this on Kickstarter. Hey, I could just be going on a podcast and then pretty soon it, it pancakes out to this big thing. You know, speaking directly, I don't have too much interest in being famous or any of that stuff. I really don't even have too much interest in the marketing stuff. Although I'm, you know, I kind of have a natural ability to do some marketing. But I do want to get the product into the hands of the reader. And the thing is, I live in 2022, so I don't yep. need a company to do that. I can do it if I want. So th- that, that's what I'm going to keep doing. And, and the hope is, like I was saying to Greg, eventually you grow the brand to where it's a, it's a brand, right? And little by little, I'm getting there. People have told me things in the past like it's really about the time you get your fifth issue in a series that people really start to say, Oh, he got something there. He got five issues. You're like, and I'm the only person that said that actually, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. a guy, Luke stone.
1: Yeah. I've heard him. Yeah.
0: He's finally out of the hospital. Um, yeah. he actually said that on our podcast, like, I don't know, a long time ago. <laughs> he's like, yeah, like I just did like my fifth issue and that's the first time I actually got a profit. And I was like, yeah, that's so fr- after he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, so I have to make five issues. So I can start making- it,
2: it, it, There's something to, to that too. Like that's probably true across multiple mediums. Like if you're a, a musician, like or an artist, like a singer, you know, uh, s- some singer songwriter, whatever it is. Um, like if you release one song. There's probably like 80 million people that have released one song. One song You're not going right, to make right, any right. money off of that. But if you release two songs, maybe there's only like 40 million. million that have done that. You know, that you get three songs, I don't know. Maybe there's 2 million people who have done that four songs you're down to like you know several hundred thousand you get down to like five songs you're like one of like a hundred thousand people and if you get anything past that it's like ten thousand one thousand a couple hundred like there's not like that's the whole thing you meant we were talking about before like you know the more you work at it the better you get it's the same with like the releasing of it too because now it's the proof that you're still doing it and people are like oh they're not giving up that's interesting
1: let me check that
2: out yeah
1: Yeah. I, I was going to say, and now do the same thing, but use those numbers on indie comics. It's probably, Oh, oh it's probably even less. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if you make
2: two comics in the indie comic world, yeah, you're right. It probably dips drastically in like three comics. Yeah. Not even like, like almost non-existent four five. I mean, you're I a comic you creator.
1: I'll, I'll do the math of it. That was three Kickstarters for me. Right. And remember I, I started making comics before the Kickstarters. I kind of hadn't learned that yet. That was just when you would take them to cons and stuff. And, uh, So I wrote – because for me, I started noticing around the fifth book that I made, not necessarily the fifth book of a series. And here's what kind of happened to me. Your mileage may vary. I wrote the first three (laughs) issues of Socket. That was the robot book, right? And that was – it was reasonably well-received, but it never had its own Kickstarter, so it never really hooked into the market sort of. Then I started writing the Water Wars books, and right about the time of the second issue of Water Wars, we also started making the Hunchback book. So that was – the Hunchback book was really about the fifth book, and it was also the first one to have a Kickstarter. And right away, I noticed people that were emailing me, responding. I was like, oh, I'm doing – I mean, I'm doing better with this one than I was with the other ones already, and the Kickstarter wasn't even done. You know, where can I buy at this kind of thing? Will you have this? Will you blah, blah, blah. I should have a t-shirt. All the stuff people say, you know. And um, then, then of course that when we hit our goal and I had the next book already in the can. So I just about went ahead and released that. And what was that? Four or five months later. And then that one did a little better, right? And then right after that was the Lost at Sea book. And my response to that has been nothing but like it's all been good. And I'm getting to the stage now where it'll be reviews of the lost at sea book. And I, I just know that this one's going to do better than the others and I'm already selling more of them and got interest in them. So it's like, you've got to do things. First, got to kind of focus on what the customers are telling you. If they really like this kind of book, <clears throat> keep making books like that. Right. And number two is you, you try to learn the lessons through the production so that the production quality gets higher and higher as they go. And I, I can see that that's happening. And, and those are the things that I kind of learned, right? Because y- you could make a pretty solid point that I'm a new guy, and I never worked for any printer or Marvel, or I never worked for any anything to do with comics. I'm just a guy who's one day woke up and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make comics. I'm going to make my own comics, man. And here, this is probably four or five years into it, and it's, it's, I'm starting to get noticed, basically.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I was, I was going to say, uh, that, that makes me think of two things. The, the first one is, and I, I'm going to be trying to reach out to this guy. Uh, this is Stephen Pressfield. So have you heard of this book, The War of Art? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So uh, do you know the legend of Bagger Vance? Yeah. Yeah, so the author of that is Stephen Pressfield, and that okay. was turned into the movie, right? That was like Academy winning, right? So these are actually his nonfiction books. He's got a couple of them. I think there's another one I don't have, but basically, the War of Art, as opposed to the Art of War, is about overcoming, um, you know, the obstacles to becoming a professional artist. And that could uh, be—he actually says too—it could be like music, it could be painting, it could even be entrepreneurship, right? Like even that is an art itself. And one of the things that uh, he has like three parts of this book, and one of them is the resistance, like the stuff that makes it difficult to like keep fighting through and make the art. But the other one is that uh, is called Turning Pro, which he wrote an entire uh, second follow-up book just about that. And the idea is like a real artist is an artist that makes a living off of their art. If they're not, there's like there's no such thing as a starving artist. That's somebody who has a hobby as an artist and then they work a different job. Like a real right. artist finds a way to make a living off of their art and like that's why it takes time right it takes several years like think about it people have to do 4 years in college to be an engineer or a lawyer they got to be 8 years to be a doctor why do you get to be a creative in one right like you have to spend the time and do the you know do the damage and go through all the struggles to actually become an artist and I, I love the fact that you're like, I'm five years in, and I'm like kind of getting the hang of it. Right. Like, you know, yeah. you're still, you know I'm still kind of I'm working my way. Like that's how it is. Like it sh- it's going to be a struggle to do that. The only difference is that people don't pay you for your art during those four years, but you also had to pay for those four years of college. Right. Like it's right. just the difference of what you want to invest your time and money into. And yeah, you can really make some cool stuff if you, your head down and you know just go through yeah it. and
1: you know i always say to myself too what if things like uh because g- i realize for me now and th- like i say this is just how it worked for me i'm sure many people are different it's enough to where the kickstarter can sort of self-propel the next project like it doesn't get slowed down so if you're the type of guy like i am who has these projects in the can so to speak i'm starting to be able to sort of line them up right so Basically, now it'll now before it was like one issue a year, then it was two, then it was three, and then this year it might be four or five, right? Again, depending on how the Kickstarters perform. But there's all indicators. I'm a what I call a low goal Kickstarter guy. You know, I guess my next one I'll be shooting for maybe five thousand something like that, which would be fine. <laughs> cool. That that's based on if like it's going up. Well, uh, when I for say some goal, people, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, as you and I know, we see people out there that are you know. Twenty five, two hundred thousand. Yeah. Uh, our, <laughs> yeah. Our, highest, our highest goal that I've tried to do
0: was the original Chronicles of Horror two Kickstarter, and obviously was that the
2: forty five hundred.
0: No, that's what, what we got.
2: we what? wanted fifty five hundred. Was that what it was? What? What, what was the, what was the goal? I forgot what the goal was.
0: Um, it was four thousand something. I forgot what it was, but um, I think it
1: was. I don't, I don't remember the actual amount.
2: Um, I thought it was 5,000 something, but we got 4,000 something. Like we got close. Oh, it. yeah.
1: I remember that actually. That was right when mine was going. And yeah. what was annoying was we were
0: $1. So if I did the math, if I wasn't selfish about the goal, um, because things happened during the making of the second issue. Um, if I wasn't selfish on trying to get some of my money back, which I've never ever tried to do before, but like now that I've figured out we're actually the publisher of Chronicles of Horror and we're not just um, we, like we are we're not just
2: contributors. Yeah. We're yeah. like actually the ones like hosting it and being responsible for making sure these get launched and running yeah. the Kickstarter and all that. Yeah.
0: Um, and I paid for a good chunk of it. And so did Hector. Um, I wanted some of my money back. So then I was talking to uh, my friend Aaron about that. And he's like, yeah, because you were expecting things from people. And I was like, I- usually I'm not like that. But I, w- I was just like so like annoyed that I had to pay so much money to yeah do that story. And now I'm like, oh, okay, so we're the publisher. So like, I'm apparently I'm going to put the money in to actually get it created instead of the one dude that was the creator of this whole anthology is now just going to be a ra- writer for that because he doesn't want to kind of put all that work into it
2: but Um, what what was it though i think you like figured out that the the amount that we could have earned would have been exactly the the amount that was donated like that's what i mean
0: yeah so if we were (laughs) we were (sighs) what like annoyed me so we were one dollar away from if i just did this amount we would have funded it was four thousand three hundred and seventy eight dollars
2: which, which would have covered all the other expenses. Yeah. That's if, the thing that's like, yeah. <laughs> if I, did, if
0: I did it at that weird number, or, you know, put it up two more dollars or whatever. Or No, like if, if I did it at that weird number and I did 4370 yeah, Whatever it was, 4, yeah. $4,378. <laughs> no, $4,379. If I did that, we would have funded. We were a dollar away from hitting that but our goal was like 5,000 something or whatever. It was. Yeah. And yeah. So if I didn't do that, then yeah. So then we came back with that quick starter and it was like way less. Yeah.
2: I like that. Have you ever heard of that by the way, a quick starter?
0: Yeah. Cause it was only two weeks and basically almost everybody came back from the original campaign. And some people were like, Oh, I didn't even know this was happening. So, cause I got the message yeah <laughs> Kickstarter
1: and I was like hey guess what so yeah yeah,
2: Tim, yeah Timothy you've ever heard of that a quick starter
1: oh is that like an 18 day or something well no, basically no. it's 14. like 14 be,
2: yeah because because our uh Kickstarter didn't fund but we had enough that like like he was saying that we, we could have funded if we had it set to an appropriate goal uh we basically just relaunched it immediately with a quick one uh, uh that was okay. much shorter
1: I I never tried the Kickstarter, but I, I think it would probably work for me. I've noticed that I have a dead spot in the middle every time. Oh, well, that's everybody.
2: Yeah, that, there's there's like a whole idea of like if here's your 30-day Kickstarter, um, it's something like you're supposed to get a third in the beginning, yeah, yeah. but like it's like in the first like five days – and then like during the entire middle is when you make another third, but it's super, 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 super slow. And then during like the last five days you get the rest of the third of the of the um, the funding. And it's yeah, that's true across the board, yeah. which is part of why when was, we, we promote it.
0: Yeah, except what was different about a bunch of our Kickstarters is uh actually just made spell Kickstarter talk, but our a bunch of ours we never really had a dead zone the first one we had a dead zone with was chronicles of
2: horror one. Yeah. But, but it's mostly because we did the research. Like, like we looked into, we knew that factor. Like we, we read all the, um, what's it called? The crowdfunding. What do they call it? It, It's on Kickstarter. They have like a whole article that tells you like how to make an effective crowdfunding thing. So for example, if you have a video, you have an 80% greater chance to succeed. If you have, um, what is it? A $25, uh, uh, a tier you're more likely to get uh greater donations things like that so we read all that stuff beforehand and so when we knew there was supposed to be a lull in the middle we would we basically push hard it gets launched right and then we kind of like soft drop it to everyone because we've been pushing hard for a month we're just like hey don't forget don't forget and then we basically run a second campaign in the middle of it promoting it again throughout the whole thing so that because a lot of people are kind of just like okay people will start coming it's like no you've got you have to ask them to come you're basically asking them for money you need to be there going hey i'm still here and would like if you could donate sure
1: right yeah 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 that makes sense
2: yeah, this is actually pretty, this has been a pretty cool talk. I was thinking about it, this ending part has been about Kickstarter, but really it's been about like growing as an artist, like making sure you realize to build out worlds, uh, you know, like you've got music, you're looking at animations, uh, you know, all of that stuff for like the little video game thing, uh, you know, working that five-year time frame, you know, working mm-hmm. with your artist and finding great letterists or letterers and, uh, you know, yeah.
1: I will always, too, I reach out to the community. You know, one of the things I started doing now is that uh, I guess I should just make a quick comment before I go. I got my start by working with Martin Dunn over at CAE Studios. And what they were doing was a thing called the bullpen. And they took you in and they taught you how to make comics, basically. And if you had a script or a concept, they would develop it out into a book. And that's how I got started. And now I, on my kickstarters, I offer for X amount of dollars. I forget what it is. I don't have it right in front of me, but I'll guide somebody if they want to, if you've got a script, you can sign up with me and I'll walk you through the process and you'll have a comic book when you're done because I can recognize a good script and I can tell what's going to make a good comic. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do. I told uh, Greg this, all my books have been anthology style books with art. But for the first time, we're starting to get other writers up till now. I've been the writer for everything. And, the publisher, but I would like to have other writers and kind of share their vision, you know, in this post apocalyptic universe that we've created. You know, there's lo- lots of great stories to be told, you know, and as long yeah, as they're weird characters, you're, you know, you're gonna fit right in.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, having other writers too, like one of our solo series scales was written by uh, another writer. Like, we have the general idea. Greg's like, hey, uh, this is where we want him to do, but like, you write his story. And like having a different perspective also helps. It kind of also helps with that world building because if you're the only person doing it and you write all the stories, there's, it's going to be like, you might not see something like an opportunity in your story because you're so in it. Like one of the things like Greg used to write the stories solo. And then I basically started editing them on top. And the reason why was, I was like, Oh, like you have this happening. Why? He goes, well, for part of the story. And I'm like, Yeah, but like maybe let's delve deeper into that. And then other times he would have he would have a reason. He'd have this really elaborate reason. I'm like, oh, I'm like that. That's awesome. But like we're not telling them that. So like that's all in your head. We need to pull that out and then put this into story because that part's really interesting. So you know sometimes it's like you know you have those plot points in your head that you need for the story to move along. But really, if you you develop them, they'll be even better. And then there's other stuff that's that's just in your head and you just need to make sure it actually gets on paper and having an editor or another writer or someone to bounce that off of, like you can really like craft your story so that there is a real world that people are getting pulled into.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been an
2: excellent podcast. We have yeah, covered a
1: lot. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking to you guys and I'm a big uh, fan of what you guys are doing over there too. And you know, talking, it helps us all grow too. I think so. It's,
2: Absolutely. Look, look
1: for me in March. I'll be out there. I'll be slugging for this next book. That's Water Wars twenty two eighty eight. Got some new art coming. It's all amazing, and there is going to be a new song coming too. Nice. Yeah, I'll also, I also want to talk about music and stuff after this.
2: So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but I was going to ask real quick too. Uh, what's uh, if you have one platform you could direct anyone to? Like, what's the one you like to communicate with people on?
1: Man, I tell you what, I'm doing the best on lately, which is I've you know I've got a Facebook page, I got a website, and everything that. But man, I'm Timothy Fling. If you want to follow me on Facebook, I put all my stuff up there and that's where I'm getting the most traction lately. Any other way you want to follow it? We are Earth Dog Studios. I got YouTube, Instagram, you know, every other Twitter kind of thing you could want. But the easiest way to follow me is on Facebook.
2: Excellent. Yeah, well make sure to get all those links in the in the show notes and all that. So oh
1: yeah, it'll okay. be, we'll uh right be awesome. <laughs> I will. I will.
0: Nice. I will. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on episode
1: 95. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys here. (laughs) I'll shoot the link over before I say goodbye.